For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Theo Wells-Spackman. You're listening to Daybreak. Today, we discuss Princeton's energy plant and its upcoming modifications with Rafi Gold and cover the recent protest by Princeton Graduate Students United. It's Monday, February 20th. First, we sat down with Prince Features staff writer Rafi Gold to discuss the Princeton cogeneration plant's historic transition to geoexchange over the next decade. If you could just start with your name and position at the Prince, that would be great. Hi, my name is Rafi and I'm a Features staff writer for the Prince. Okay, excellent. So I've gathered that you recently visited the Princeton cogeneration plant in the south of campus. Could you just talk to us a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, sure. So the cogeneration plant, as some may know, is located on Elm Drive, pretty close to the new colleges. And I was taken on a tour by the energy plant director, Ted Borer, who has been working at the plant for many years and is incredibly knowledgeable about all of the inner workings, um, how all of that works. So cogeneration is basically a combustion-based system in which natural gas is burned to produce simultaneously electricity and heating for campus. It's a pretty energy efficient system with a capacity to be between 60 to 80 percent energy efficient although at the moment it's been operating at around 67 percent and I got a tour of the plant got to see all of the pipes and what connected where there are also these 12 chilling towers that are just outside the plant where heat is rejected and that's one negative element of the cogeneration system which is that some heat is thrown away which is why we're currently in the process of transitioning to a more energy efficient geo exchange system okay so it's primarily an efficiency issue is that Yeah, so cogeneration had been one of the most efficient technologies for years, partly because it had these two byproducts, both heat and energy at the same time. But because heat is converted in the process and not just moved, some energy is always going to be lost. For example, if you make a room cooler, you're extracting heat, and then rather than using that heat, the cogeneration just throws it away. Whereas geoexchange harnesses that heat and straps it through a geoexchange heat exchanger into the ground, and then we can later harvest that heat. And so on the tour of the cogeneration plant, we got to see some areas that had spaces where geoexchange pipes are going to be installed, and that was a really cool aspect of the tour. Okay, gotcha. And, the, and that installation is going to be part of this, this change that's coming in the next few years. Is that, is that a, a quite large-scale change in infrastructure there? Yes, it is a quite large-scale change. So right now, some geoexchange has been installed across campus. It's going to take around a decade for the full transition to happen. And there have been, most recently outside of Whitman Lawn, 5,800-foot deep boreholes drilled for the geoexchange and overall once the project is complete across campus there'll be around 2,000 boreholes in total so it is definitely a large-scale project that will take a little bit of time okay exciting stuff though thank you very much thank you so much last wednesday more than 150 graduate postgraduate and undergraduate students rallied in front of Robertson Hall in coordination with Princeton Graduate Students United to raise concerns over fair wages and affordable housing. They demanded that the university grant pay raises and provide better health care, working conditions, and child care support. They also called for more effective grievance procedures. After the event, a group walked around campus passing out union cards, hoping to gain enough support to push for legal recognition as a labor union. As of Saturday, over 1,500 union cards were filled out. In international news, five civilians are dead and 15 injured following an Israeli airstrike on a building in Damascus, Syria. This comes less than two weeks after a devastating earthquake led to an estimated 5,800 deaths across the country. Syrian Foreign Minister Faisal Magdad called the act a, quote, crime against humanity. 
Military experts in Syria say the attack reflects increasing importance being placed in a decade-long effort to destabilize Iran's growing control of large swaths of Syria. The target, according to Western intelligence, was a building which served as a tactical center for the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, a branch of the Iranian armed forces which plays a significant role in shaping the Iranian economy. The 59th Munich Security Conference took place from Friday, February 17th to Sunday, February 19th. Russia's war in Ukraine dominated discussions, with U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris formally accusing Russian forces of committing war crimes. At the conference, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz encouraged his fellow European leaders to follow up on their pledges to arm Ukraine. Although Russian officials did not attend last year, this was the first time since the 90s that Russia did not receive an invitation to the conference. Today will be warm and mostly cloudy, with a high of 59 degrees Fahrenheit. That's all for Daybreak today. Today's episode was written by Regina Roberts and me, sound engineered by Philip Wong, and produced under the 147th Managing Board of the Prince. Our theme was composed by Ed Haran, class of 2022. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Theo Wells-Spackman. Have a wonderful day.